Welcome back to The Uncomfortable Truth. This episode is called The Coffee Shop. There's a coffee shop on Main Street here in our town, a typical New England Main Street, and it competes with Starbucks and Dunkin' Donuts, sort of the two ends of the spectrum, right? <clears throat> Within six blocks of itself on Main Street. The other two, Starbucks and Dunkin', have a lot of parking space, and one of them, Dunkin', of course, has a drive through The local coffee shop has neither. You have to find a place on the street and walk into the store. But it's a place full of character. There are knickknacks on the wall. There are clever display cases. It's set up nicely and designed nicely. There's sidewalk art that the owner got permission to put on the sidewalk, which is refreshed every couple of years. And there are tables outside for weather permitting people sitting there. He put in next door in the adjacent property which he owns, a martini bar. And so the coffee shop, besides serving some microwaved breakfast and sandwiches at lunch and so on, also has a wide array of liquor at night in the adjoining room. He does quite well. He knows his customers. When I walk in, he simply says hot or cold, meaning do I want a hot or a cold cappuccino that morning? He has biscuits on the counter, which you take for your dogs in the vehicle. And in good weather, he has a water bowl outside for passing dogs, whether you do business in there or not. On Saturdays, he opens at 7. It's 6 during the week, but Saturdays at 7. And he uses an assorted array of women for many of these shifts in the morning. And if he's there personally earlier than 7 on a Saturday, and the door happens still to be locked, you simply knock on the door and he opens it and he serves you. If it's the woman who's there alone, you can't get in until 7, even though she's standing behind the counter almost like a bank vault on a timer. The door will not be opened until seven, sharp. Now he makes money, of course, the owner, the more product he sells. The people who work there, these women, they get the same pay regardless, although they can get more tips if they handle more customers, of course. So why don't they open if people wanna buy, if they're ready to go and it's 10 minutes early, but somebody's outside, and sometimes I see five or six of the regulars who are there every morning who happen to get there a few minutes early waiting outside, even on weekdays when there's a 6 a.m. opening, waiting at 10 to 6, often in the cold and sometimes in the rain. But still, she will not open the door. Why is that? Because she doesn't give a damn. She sees no larger purpose other than her hours and her work, which is providing bagels and donuts and pie and making various kinds of coffee. One of these women kept telling me repeatedly that she was a student, a senior, in college, and in line for a much better job, disdaining this coffee shop she worked at, a much better job at a high-end restaurant, and she was just making a few bucks in transition while she waited. She was horrible. She badmouthed the shop in which she worked. I told the owner the next time I saw him, she was fired, I have no regrets. I'm sure she's not going to make it in that high-end restaurant either, because she's really probably an actress just marking time, right? The best service I've ever had is when owners take care of their stores personally. Now, there's some exception. I mean, you remember the soup Nazi in Seinfeld, who if you offended, you'd get thrown out of his store? We actually read into one in Honolulu many years ago when the hotel warned us it's the best sushi in the Hawaiian Islands, but you have to do exactly what you're told. And sure enough, there's one huge U-shaped sushi bar 
and the chef behind the bar had attendants standing out on the floor, and they would come and whisper in your ear if you did something wrong. So when my wife took a bite of this sashimi or sushi, and because it's so large, could just uh, manage half a bite, she was told she would have to put the whole thing in her mouth at once. That was the style that she'd be asked to leave. This was the sushi Nazi. But generally, when business owners take care of their own place, they have a sense of pride. They have a sense of service. Much more than people who didn't own the business, unless the owner was able to instill that sense of price and pride and purpose in their own employees. And if they couldn't instill that sense of pride and purpose, the good owners got rid of the bad apples. I just watched a great cable documentary on the lives of Lucille Ball and Ricky Ricardo. I was young in the 50s when this was the most watched television show on the planet. And when Lucy actually was pregnant in real life, she was pregnant on the show, which was unheard of. You weren't even allowed to say it. No one could sit in a bed without one foot on the floor. That's, that's what it was like in those days. But it was a very, very funny, very popular show. And this cable documentary showed how Lucy, Lucille Ball and uh, Ricky Ricardo went from penniless bit players to a non-traditional entertainment couple. You know, being married to uh, uh, an Hispanic man was unheard of in the public eye. To innovative producers, to the owners of the then largest studio in Hollywood, Desilu. That's what talent and hard work can do. Fred Smith at FedEx, Bill Gates at Microsoft, Steve Jobs at Apple, Jeff Bezos at Amazon, and others like them did not inherit their companies. And I didn't inherit mine. My great life is not funded by my daddy's money. Though, don't think it doesn't concern me that my kids' and grandkids' lives may well be funded by mine. Next time you get the chance and you see a customer, a client... Think about the win-win opportunity awaiting you. Or be selfish and never own a thing and see what happens to you. That's the uncomfortable truth. <music>